But yeah, my name's Paul, one of the leaders, one of the elders here at King's Community Church. So uh, wonderful to be gathered together, to worship together, to continue our series in the uh, New Testament book of Acts. So we started this series at the turn of the year. Uh, Do grab your Bibles if you've got those, and uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And we'll get there in a moment, but our passage is all about belonging, about belonging. I wonder what uh, comes to mind when you hear the word belonging. What do you think about? Do you think about belonging to a sports club, belonging to a book club, a cafe, uh, like a coffee club, uh, belonging to a family, belonging to a community? What do you think of when you think of belonging? Are they positive thoughts? Are they, do you think, yeah, I, I do. I've got these places, these uh, groups where I do. I feel like I belong. I feel valued. I feel loved. Or is it maybe not so good and you feel like, actually, I, I don't feel like I belong. Maybe you've even been coming here a little while and you just feel a sense of, like, do I belong? Am I loved? Am I valued? Belonging, in reality, has been hugely impacted by COVID, massively. Over the last two years, everything has pretty much gone online. And I'm sure most of us have spent hours upon hours in online meetings, where you just move through to a room, maybe it might be your bedroom or even the kitchen or lounge or somewhere. You open the laptop, the meeting starts. You spend an hour or so in a meeting, and then you press that button, don't you? Either leave meeting or end meeting, and suddenly you're all on your own again. I don't know if you get that sense of like, oh, where's everyone gone? It's just like happened so abruptly, hasn't it? It's not that goodbye at the door. It's not that hug, I'll see you again next time, or leaving work where you're like, I'll see you again tomorrow. Even many people, uh, even here, uh, starting new jobs this year. And on day one of their new job, it's basically opening up the emails, finding out what they need to do for the day. They might not even see anyone that day. They might not even have an office to go to, missing out on just all the relational dynamics of what it means to be human in a work context. It's so, so sad. It's affected this sense of, do I belong at work? Do, is there a, do I belong to a team or school? Like, do, I, do I belong to my, uh, like in this, this context of colleagues or, or kids? For like, do, do I belong in a friendship group? What's, what's that dynamic? Just, just has been uh, largely removed through, uh, through moving on to online platforms. We've also seen it. Uh, for longer actually been impacted by family breakdown. By family breakdown. In 2019, there were, in the UK alone, there were 102,000 children who were looked after by the state. 102,000. This has increased every year since 2010, and in the last five years, it, it has increased by 10% year on year. That's a huge number of children growing up without a family at all. Around 29% of children are growing up living with only one parent. This rises to 52% in low-income 
households. These are kids growing up not with a mum and a dad, predominantly with a mum, may see the dad if he's around, but kids growing up not uh, just in very, very different types of families nowadays. With the breakdown of these stable families, I think it's no wonder, actually, that children are, are, are saying, actually, I, I don't know where I belong. Do I belong to this family or this family or to, to these? Do I belong at school? Where, where is my sense of foundation, my grounding? Where do I belong? Because of all this, we see, actually, we live in a city that is full of people who want to belong. We live in neighborhoods, next to people, near people, at work with people who want to belong, are feeling a sense of disconnection with the, the rise of use of social media and that becoming an increasing sense of where we live our lives. People actually do want to belong. They feel a sense of actually a loss of some things and actually wanting to press into meaningful, face-to-face -face relationships with real people. People want to feel welcomed. They want to feel included. They want to feel valued. There's this increasing sense of a craving for those things. And our passage today in Acts 2, it shows us that there's nothing that fast tracks this sense of belonging, this sense of creating community, than getting around the dinner table. Than being together, than open-hearted, open-handed hospitality. So if you go to Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, and we'll read it together. Okay. So speaking of the disciples, these are the early disciples. Jesus has gone to uh, be with the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's seated on high. He's got all power and authority has been given to him. He sent his, uh, his Holy Spirit to be uh, dwelling within the early church, the believers. There's no longer the dwelling of the Holy Spirit within the temple. Actually, it's the people of God who, are the in, uh, who have been um, indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And now it's really the working out of what does community look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be disciples together? And we read some of it here. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Here we go. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus, we thank you so much that you sent the Spirit and you did 
build a community of faithful followers. And we get to read about it in Acts. We get to see what's important, what's not important. We get to see actually what do the dynamics of that church family look like. And Lord, we pray, would you stir us this morning? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? Jesus, we want to follow you faithfully. We want to do that in community. And we pray for your help in that, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, just want to make a uh, fairly quick observation, uh, really at the start, uh, before we dive really into verses 46 um, and 47. Um, And the observation is that there are, uh, in this passage, and actually throughout the whole of Acts, what we see is a culture of doing life together. A culture of being in and out of each other's homes. And this was what it looked like to be the church. So the heartbeat of the New Testament is not that the church is putting on a load of things for the church. Not that they're running a load of programs or events or doing a load of things. But actually the heartbeat, the culture, is that they are doing life together. They are in community together. In fact, in the whole of Acts, which documents the whole, uh, sorry, the first 30 years of the church's existence, the only program, the only organized thing that is mentioned is in Acts uh, 6, where they feed the widows. There's so many widows, it's getting out of control, and it's not fair, and some people are getting some food and some aren't, that they set up a program to ensure that all of the widows get fed fairly. But by and large, actually, the, what it looks like to be community, to be the church, is organic. It's organic. It's being in fellowship with one another, doing life together. It's not that running programs are, are, are bad. We, we do it ourselves. We've run Alpha uh, for a number of years. We, we ran King's Hope Initiative, did food delivery uh, for the local community for uh, about 18 months. These are, uh, at times, good things. But what can happen in church is actually we then become dependent on those things for the shaping and forming of true community together. And we actually lose the sense of what it means to be authentically in community together. So those things can serve the mission. They can be great, but if we don't have this this DNA or this culture of being together in and out of each other's homes, then we've lost something there. We've turned more into an organization and less being a family. So we want to stimulate this culture. We feel this just stirring uh, as a a team, as a leadership team, uh, to be fostering this type of community. In in this book, uh, How to Revive Evangelism by Craig Springer, he heads up Alpha uh, in the U.S., Um, So Alpha is a course where you get to explore about Christianity. Um, And he says that uh, really Christianity and being the church is not about programs. We need a cultural shift within the church, a cultural shift away from programs into authentic community where we belong together and where we welcome others in. Uh, Max Stiles, uh, in this book called Evangelism, uh, he says this, We want a contagious culture of evangelism across the church. So evangelism, telling people about Jesus, introducing people to the person of Jesus. 
We want a contagious culture of this across the church. It's a culture of evangelism that's not ultimately dependent on events, projects, programs, and ministry professionals. Instead, it's a culture of evangelism that is built on people. Okay, listen. Built on people filled with the power of God's Spirit, proclaiming the gospel of God's grace in the context of their everyday lives and relationships. We long to be a loving community committed to sharing the gospel as part of an ongoing way of life, not by the occasional evangelistic event, but by the daily sharing of Jesus. This is what we want to get back to. This is what we want to encourage and stir really within ourselves as as leaders, uh, with you guys as well, is for all of us to be daily sharing Jesus with people. You read about it in Acts uh, chapter 8 as well. Uh, We'll get to this in a number of weeks, but verses 1 to 4, the disciples have got pretty comfortable uh, within uh, Jerusalem. uh, And uh, even though actually the, the commission... Uh, that the disciples had was that there would, be dis- there would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, so that actually the gospel would go out. It wouldn't just stay in Jerusalem. It wouldn't just be something for the Jews, but this would, be a, this would go out. It would be multi-ethnic. It would, it would include all people from all parts of the world. They were getting comfortable in Jerusalem, so God had to force the hand. And it says uh, in, in uh, verse 1, Uh, that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I don't know if the apostles were just like hiding away somewhere, where they just missed the persecution. They were just like, what's happened? Where have all the disciples gone? Um, But for some reason, they stayed in Jerusalem. Maybe they felt it was important to do so. Uh, But All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And here's the key verse just drawing out here. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's the heartbeat of the New Testament. Wherever we go, we preach the word. We preach the word. So, let's look at what that looks like for this, for this early community, for this newly formed, shaped community that the Spirit, the, the Spirit has filled them and he's leading them into what does this look like? We see that they did spend time in the temple, so they did gather as a church. They did gather with one another as as Christians en masse. But we also read there in verse 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So, firstly, they ate together in each other's homes. Secondly, they were happy about it. So why are you laughing? I guess it's a funny point. They were happy about being in and out of each other's homes. Thirdly, they enjoyed the favor of the people. And fourthly, they saw people saved every day. So we might ask, what was their secret? Like, we, often we can think that, like, if we just did this, that would make us successful. Or if we just did that. 
or why don't, we, why don't we do this, or go in this direction. Actually, it, it's really, really quite simple for these uh, early Christians. They devoted themselves to one another, and they were in and out of each other's homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So it's all about the dinner table. It's all about the dinner table. They were round the table. Can you say round the table? You can. Well done. Round the table. This is the dynamic of these early Christians. They would have, you know, knocked on the door. Right, let's eat together. They would have been like, let's spend time together. Let's have lunch together. Come round. Be part of the family. Look, we're eating now. Look, great. Join in. This sense of being together. It was so wonderful, I imagine. And I know many of you and us have experienced wonderful hospitality amongst each other. I think as a church, we're really good at this, actually, of, of being in and out of each other's homes, of welcoming one another. But I think there's still more to do. There's still more to press in. There's still more people to welcome into our friendships and our relationships. So as I said at the beginning, as humans, we are we are yearning for deep, meaningful connection. One study says that 47% of millennials say that they experience a general sense of em emptiness. So like an ongoing, low-grade sense of emptiness. And a similar percentage say that they often feel rejected. This type of community, the type of community around the dinner table, being together... This is a wonderful thing that we have to offer to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, to strangers, to those who, who don't feel like they belong. And it's simple, isn't it? It's so simple. We see this actually right through uh, all the pages of the Bible, right in uh, the first few chapters of Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve uh, eat a meal with Satan. The wrong person to be eating a meal with. They should have been eating the meal with God. Okay, they were deceived, led astray, sin entered the world, brokenness came in. We see later on in Genesis, we see Abraham and Sarah extending hospitality to three, to three complete strangers. Welcome them in. Have a meal together. Fast forward into the New Testament, we see uh, huge amounts of hospitality with Jesus. So we see uh, the first miracle that Jesus performs, performs is at the wedding of Cana, where they're eating and drinking together. We see that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with Matthew. So he's eating with people that are on the fringes of society, those who are ostracized, outcasts, those people that no one else wants to spend time with. These are the types of people that Jesus is getting round a table and spending time with. He ate with Simon the Pharisee. He ate at his house. So this was a guy who was uh, relying upon his religion. He was relying upon his, his own sense of good works, getting it right, doing what's required, and hoping that that is going to get him uh, into heaven, make him right with God. He ate with his friends as well, with Mary and Martha. Just spent a lot of time with them. Time with friends, that's good. Getting around the table together with friends. 
He ate at the house of Simon the leper. He ate with people who, I mean, he would have been a huge outcast. Someone who needed healing. Someone who needed help. Someone who couldn't give back. Jesus spending time with people like that. Jesus ate his last supper with the disciples. Round a table together. There he broke the bread. He drank the wine. This was to signify his body broken on the cross, his blood shed on the cross. Jesus gave up his life for sinners like you and me. That we have fallen far short from extending hospitality to others as God has extended it to us. We are not perfect. We need saving. We need redeeming. Jesus has done that for us. He's welcomed us in. We, if, you fo- if you're a follower of Jesus, we have experienced the hospitality of God. Hospitality is welcoming the stranger in, that they might become a friend, that they might become a follower of Jesus. And God has done that for us. He's welcomed us in through the cross, through his work on the cross. He's welcomed us in. So Jesus carried out most of his ministry pretty much entirely round tables, out with people. Even when he was out on the hillsides, you know, people were hungry. Let's feed them. Most of his ministry was done round the table, not in the temple. I wonder if you're feeling a sense of maybe provoking, a sense of, oh, maybe, maybe I could do more of that. Maybe, maybe I could open up my home more. Maybe I need to open up my table more. Maybe I've got a sense of actually things a bit skewed in life. Maybe life's too busy and it doesn't allow for a sense of openness or having an open home. I just want to encourage us and challenge us to try and live as simply as we can and make sure that we have time to be able to open up our homes it's this simple sense of, do, as we do that, as we have people in and out of our homes, around our dinner tables, that we open up our lives, we open up conversations, we share our stories, others might share their stories. And this is how we're able to witness in a way where people's guards are down. People are more open as you're eating a meal, aren't they? Or just sharing a cup of tea, having a biscuit. Get good biscuits in, though, yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's just sharing life together, being together. So what does this kind of hospitality look like? Let's let's try and root this a bit further. Give us a, a sense of actually what does this look like? So firstly, as I've said, it's opening up our homes. One way that we can stumble over fully embracing a sense of opening up our homes is when we've sort of Uh, we've moved into feeling and thinking that our possessions and what we have are ours rather than things that God has given us for the purpose of building his church and extending his kingdom and serving others. Maybe we need reminding actually that God has given us everything. That our homes are not our castles they're not places that we should uh, just retreat into and have no, like, you know, doors closed, like no one can come in. 
Like, it's good to have places to rest. It's good to have places where we feel safe. That, that is good uh, and right. But when we're totally closed off, that shows that something has gone wrong. That shows a lack of understanding of the gospel and the hospitality that God has extended towards us. So God wants us to use our homes to build strong community. And it might just be with ones and twos. It might just be simple. It might be with just starting with, uh, with, with maybe a, a good friend or someone that you've, uh, you've known for a while. Or it might be reconnecting with someone that you know uh, you, maybe you haven't spoke to them in a while. An old uni friend or an old school friend or someone, maybe a neighbor you've not spoken to for a while. Let me encourage you. If you're, if you're thinking, oh, I don't even know who I'd invite, maybe you need to get some more people in your life who don't know Jesus. Join a club. Join a group. Visit the same places again and again, the same supermarkets, the same hairdresser. Uh, a few years ago, I'd, uh, when I was uh, living in our last place uh, just off Unthank Road, I'd go to the same hairdresser time and time again for a number of years, this lady called Sue, and just got to know her really well over that time. Had many conversations about faith. Finding out what does she believe, just asking questions. Quite, just pretty simple, just getting to know her, showing an interest. What do you believe? Like what, where, what have your experiences? You know, so just do, it might be that you need to do these things to actually just get some people in your life that, don't know Jesus, and just take those first initial steps. Keep it simple, and do it with others as well. Just really want a sense of um, us to not feel like a, an individual sense of like, I've got to do this on my own, but a sense of together in that. So maybe, you're, maybe you might invite someone around who doesn't know Jesus, you want to introduce them to Jesus. You love them. You want them to know the love of God. Why not invite someone else you know, just maybe from church or someone, maybe you just feel a sense of, oh, I'm not very good in those situations. Maybe invite someone who is great in those, someone who's great at conversation, great at chatting, um, you know, great at putting people at ease. You know, invite others into that. Do it with your life group. Invite others in, into those situations. Don't feel a sense of having to do it on your own, but do try and look for steps of what does it look like for me to grow in this, to step out in this, to open up my home to others. The beautiful thing is that as we do that, is that we can take hold of that promise that Jesus said. It's in John chapter 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And when you welcome people in who don't know Jesus and there's community around, those people who are searching, they get to see a sense of a community that love one another radically. They're laying down their lives for one another. They're sharing life with one another. They're doing it together. They're seeing something different. I've had several conversations over the years just with people who have tried to welcome into those places, maybe life group um, and other places, and they've just, just said, this is different. This is different. I don't know what you guys are doing or why you're devoting yourselves to one another, but you are, and this is special. I want to belong to something like this. 
People are yearning for belonging. We, get, we are part of a family that is so tightly knitted together by the blood of Jesus that we display something of the beauty of Christ, his relationship with the church, his hospitality towards us. We get to display that just around the table, having a meal together, having a cup of tea. It sounds, in a sense, so simple and yet so profound. Secondly, we want to encourage you to be considering running Alpha in your life groups. So if you're not part of a life group, get involved in a life group. Firstly, great place to uh, live together in community, to, uh, to encourage one another and do life together. We want to encourage you, do Alpha in your life groups. If you've got people on the fringes just searching, wanting to find out more do that in your group. We're running one uh, in our life group starting this Thursday. Um, I know uh, last year there was a few alphas that happened just in informal context on Zoom, uh, just where people were like, I've got some friends, let's do alpha together. Um, a few years ago, we, uh, we ran several alphas and annoyingly they, they got stopped by COVID where everything had to just uh, stop and we, we, I don't know how far through we were, but we were fairly th far through uh, a course, and we just had to stop it. So just a sense of God actually leading us in a different direction. Rather than necessarily doing big courses at the moment, we might do in the future, but just want to encourage grassroots sense of, like, in your homes, in your life groups, doing Alpha. I think we've, I mean, we've run, um, I think, three or four Alphas. Loads of you guys were involved in that wonderfully. Table leaders, helpers, etc. I'm sure spread across the life groups, there'll be people who uh, were involved in that. So if you just, maybe you're a life group and you feel, says, oh, I don't feel too confident in that area. There might be someone in your life group that you can just say, look, could you maybe for this term just lead an alpha group for us? Like, would you be up for that? So life group leaders, maybe consider consider that. One of the great things about Alpha, and the reason I mention it in this sense of just wanting to encourage us to get around the table, is that one of the key things about Alpha is that you eat together. You have a meal together. It's a core part. It's a non-negotiable part of Alpha. You eat together, and you chat together. You watch a video together, but you're around the table. All the content's there on video. Super easy, super straightforward. Let let us encourage you to consider that. It's also a great um, discipleship tool just generally. Uh, so Alpha, I don't know if you know, but it was originally put together for new Christians to uh, help them, educate them, and uh, disciple them in some of the basics of what it means to follow Jesus in terms of prayer and what's it look like to be part of a church and part of a community. Why did Jesus die? These are some of the basic things. So if you just feel a sense of actually as a life group, we just want to do that to get some of those foundations in place. Then consider doing that as well. Uh, that guy Springer, um, who I quoted from before, he said, well, what if, um, and he's talking about, what if this sense of bringing a, uh, helping people to belong where they don't belong? He just says, well, what if it's as simple as promising a table where they'll be listened to, not judged, and experience the kind of community they probably haven't experienced before. 
So life groups, alpha, getting around the table, inviting others in. And thirdly and finally, just um, we started before Christmas, and we did this before COVID as well, just running these monthly lunches uh, just in this room, just where we get to be together around the table, eating together, sharing life together. Good opportunity then for others to, uh, to um, get to know us better. So if you're visiting for the first time, you, you, know, you get to chat to some people in greater depth, maybe people from the community that come in and are welcomed in. It's great to be together in that setting. So I just want to encourage us to get to, to, to prioritize those dates. Uh, got one next Sunday. So it'll be a bring and share. Have you already mentioned this? Great. Bring and share. Um, and uh, it'll be good to be uh, together again. Just give me a few more minutes of your time. Let's go into verse 47. It says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's nothing revolutionary in, the, uh, in those preceding verses. There's nothing revolutionary in terms of what they gave themselves to. And yet the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This simple hospitality led to many people finding life in Jesus Christ. Part of why we exist in terms of the Great Commission is, is uh, here, go in mission and service. Okay? This, that's our, one of our aims, to go in mission towards other people. And we've just, as a, as a team, before Christmas, we started talking about, well, what does this look like? What's some of the, uh, what, what could that look like? And we just had this phrase of, of weekly salvations and monthly baptisms. And it's, um, it's just a phrase where we just thought, we, we just felt a sense of faith towards that. And it's not, the, it's not a rod to beat ourselves with. It's not a sense of like, we've got to, you know, just, you know, we're just, if we don't see that, we'll feel bad about ourselves. But it's an expectation of what we're wanting to see and what we read in Scripture of regular salvations and regular baptisms. So we're going to be putting monthly dates in the diary starting next Sunday uh, for baptisms. Um, so if you've not been baptized yet, I want to encourage you and urge you to do that, to get baptized. Chat to your life group leader, chat to myself or uh, someone else that you maybe came with. Let me urge you, get baptized. So those dates will be in the diary, wanting to be intentional about that. Weekly salvations, monthly baptisms. We'll talk a bit more about that. We're wanting with this sense of wanting to stir a culture of evangelism, being around the table, is we'll, we'll talk about this more. Well, hopefully there'll be more equipping and more opportunities to find out, well, what does that look like and how can I be equipped and empowered and helped in that? So do keep an eye out for more of that as well. Right. Um, Joe, you're there. Great. If you could come up. Um, Should we stand, please? Before we finish, I just want to, I want to encourage us and urge us to give our lives to this. To give of our energies, our money, like it costs money, doesn't it, to have people around. Food's not particularly cheap. It's a sense of actually there, there is a cost to this. There's a cost to welcoming people in. 
financial, emotional. Uh, it's, it's not the, always the easiest thing to do. We're not always, uh, like we might not naturally want to do it. There is a cost to it. But I want to urge us to give ourselves to it. It's what Jesus wants us to do. It's the hospitality we see of Jesus that stirs our hearts for the lost, for those who are on the outside, for those who feel like they don't belong and are not a part of something. We get to welcome them in and be, to be a part of the family of God. So Jesus, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for the way that you've welcomed us in to your family. We are your children. We're your sons, your daughters. We've been adopted in and we're part of this. We're brothers and sisters now, part of the best family that we could ever have hoped for, ever imagined. We're loved, accepted by you. We're growing in love for one another and we, we thank you so much for that. Lord, help us to open up our homes, stir us. Lord, continue to fill us with your spirit to empower us for this work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If this if today's the first time you've heard of this hospitality of Jesus, that he's welcomed you in, that he died for you to make you a friend of his, then let me encourage you. We're going to take communion. Um, there should be some little cups of juice and a wafer on your uh, chairs or near you. If you want to take that for the first time uh, today as a way of saying, Jesus, I trust in you. I accept this hospitality, this gift of hospitality. Then you can do that today. You can start following Jesus, working out what that looks like in community with one another. Okay, Joe, you, do you want to play? We're going to respond. Let's spend some time dwelling on that. Dwelling on Jesus' hospitality, his goodness. Let's sing.